Hello and welcome to the Sacred City Life Podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. And this podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday, normal rhythms of life. And today on the podcast, I have our pastor of discipleship, Rob Spikestra. Hello. I have my pastoral assistant, Kevin Knower. Hey, guys. And I have our deacon of Sacred City Youth, Alex Tate. How's it going, guys? And today we are going to discuss an article that I posted on Realm last week. Um, Technically, it is a preface that was written uh, to the Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis. Uh, Lewis wrote um, the Screwtape Letters in the 40s. And then, uh, and it was really successful, Beyond His Wildest Dreams. It's a phenomenal book if you haven't read it. And then um, in 1960, he was looking at the state of specifically English, but then also American um, public schools. Mm -hmm. And he was seeing something that he thought needed screw tape needed to be resurrected. (laughs) He said, screw tape, if you don't know it, screw tape is a demon. And it's written from his perspective to other demons, teaching them how to tempt Christians. Yeah. And the beauty of the book is that he he just gets into the intricacies and the deceitfulness and the just the tricksiness of the devil. Um, that was a Tolkien word there, tricksy. Yes. Uh, tricksiness of uh, of the devil. It's nothing. Just he doesn't work just blatantly. He works, you know just in, in, a, in a, a fashion that makes him the greatest tempter of all, all time. Mm. And he saw something going on in the American public school system that said, ooh, this is worthy of the resurrection of screw tape." And he writes it. He says, uh, I'm going to quote him now, this criticism of American education was written in 1962 as a preface to a collection of which the toast was to be the title essay. After Lewis died, his publisher gave this book a new form, one result of which was that Lewis's preface was lost. Now recovered, it is published here for the first time. And in this preface, Lewis says that he, knew, he, he didn't want to offend people by just coming out and saying, this is about American education. Uh, but, but after it was published and later on, he came out and, and said that. <clears throat> and, um, and so the whole... the. The chapter is called um, Screw Tape Proposes a Toast. Mm. Screw Tape Proposes a Toast. Um, Yeah, I'm going to read Lewis here. He says, Screw Tape, in fact, describes American education. He affects to be holding... He affects to be holding English education up as the awful example. The most intelligent of American readers would, I hoped, see the game I was playing and enjoy the joke. And if those who were a little duller really believed that, quote, democratic education in the true sense had gone even further in England, they could not help seeing that their actual system was at least uncomfortably like the one Screwtape describes and draw the moral. So, again, he wasn't just coming out saying, this is why I'm doing it, but then after the fact, he did. And so here's the question that I want us, well, first off, we want to evaluate, we're going to evaluate this, but C.S. Lewis, writing in 1962, claimed to be seeing, prophetically, we maybe could say, where American education was going, okay? And he's going to describe it and kind of 
creative and maybe painful detail. Let's, do we think he succeeded? Was he right? Was he correct? I will save that until the very end of the podcast, mm. but that's what we want to answer. Was, yeah. was Lewis correct? Let's just jump into this letter and, uh, and you guys, anything that jumps out at you, any, anything that kind of, um, you found interesting. <clears throat> Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think the very that that statement that uh, how should a jelly not conform? Uh, <laughs> a, that's a beautiful one. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting what he says because he, you know, uh, just this idea of, of what is the purpose of of education, and uh, I think people don't really recognize and understand what education is about. Uh, we mm-hmm. tend to think of it as just simply a passing on information from one generation to the next generation at best. Uh, but it's, it's not about that. It's actually about our love. It's about what do we love. And mm-hmm. education is about, is, is really trying to, in one sense, in its, in its best sense, is trying to help us to order our loves appropriately. Um, but unfortunately, um, that's not the, <laughs> that's not the, that's not in our public education system. That is not what, uh, the, the, it's not the appropriate loves that, that we'd want our, our, our children to have. And I think this idea of how should a jelly not conform is kind of getting at that. And a matter of fact, um, just the reference there of, uh, that Lewis writes in the, in, in the abolition of man, men without chest is yes. getting at that. So yes. mm-hmm. yeah, this idea of love, your, your, your chest, you know, has to have that that heart for, for the right things. And, right. and Lewis in Abolition of Man, he's right. He's when he's talking about that education is creating men without chests. Mm-hmm. He, the chest is the mediating instant instrument between the head and the gut. Yeah. yeah. And it's basically, if, if you just go off your gut, you're a beast. Just think of it in terms of sexuality. Yeah. You just, you just use it wherever you want, like an animal. Mm-hmm. Right. And that your chest is, your loves, what you love is meant to mediate mm. your gut, mm. right? In, yeah. in, in through your, your intellect. And so he's, t- he's picking that idea up here mm-hmm. and saying right away that American public education is making everyone jello, which means you put whatever, whatever you put them in, whatever situation you put them in, they're all going to conform and be the exact same. Mm. They're going to be the exact same thing. Right. And he he says, he's talking here right before that. He says, the job of their tempters was first, of course, to harden these choices of the hellward roads into a habit by steady repetition. But then, and this was all important to turn the habit into a principle, a principle, the creature is prepared to defend. After that, all will go well. Conformity, to the social environment, at first merely instinctively or mechanical, how should a jelly not conform, now becomes an unacknowledged creed or ideal of togetherness or being like folks. Mm -hmm. Being like folks. So he's saying there's something about American education that teaches everyone to just, hey, guys, the goal here is to be like everybody else. Mm -hmm. So if everybody's acting the fool, mm. you act the fool. If everybody's doing this, you do that. Don't be unique. Don't be special. Don't be an individual. Mm. And he grounds this. And, and this is what he says here. He says, they will, first I'll be t- talking about throwing off history. They won't understand history. So they won't understand law and they won't understand what's good, what's wrong. He says this, here at last is a real and deliberate, 
though not fully articulate, rejection of what the enemy calls grace. Mm. So he's saying if, if that the goal of American public education is to make everyone jelly that would conform, and if everyone is jelly, then somehow he's saying that that's going to cause them to reject grace. Yep. Mm. Now, the argument he's building here is if you can look around and you can point at everybody and you're all the same, hey, yeah, yeah, I struggle with lust, but so does that guy, so does that guy, so does that guy, so does that guy. Yeah, yeah, I, I cheated on my test, but so does that guy, so does that guy. So Yeah, I got, so does that guy, so does that guy, so does that guy. Then you will never actually seek grace. Yeah. You'll never say, oh, I am a sinner in need of grace. Yeah. So Lewis here is saying the public, the American public education system is built to make people jello individuals who will never see themselves as that bad, mm. Mm. and need grace. Wow. Yeah, so it's this idea of comparing ourselves to each other. Yeah. And if we're, if we're alike one another, then I'm no better and no worse off than you, so yeah. I don't need anything. I don't need what we're describing here, that of grace. Yeah. And mm. it's funny that <laughs> Wormwood's kind of like, he, he's upset about this. Because he's, he's saying, like, these sinners that are just, like, jello, like everybody else, he's like, oh, they're just bland. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He's like, they're not like the great sinners of old, you yeah. know, that, that knew, knew goodness but chose to be wicked. Mm. Those you could really sink your teeth in, he said. <laughs> these people just taste like wafers. Mm. <laughs> it was interesting that the point, your, your point, Rob, about how we don't really know what education is. I was thinking through that. It's, I, I realized that what I understand about the purpose of education comes from what I've been taught by the system of education. Mm-hmm. I just think that's it's really interesting to think about that, even how that conforming to the image of what education is supposed to look like, just gathering knowledge instead of shaping yeah. loves is even in this, you know, moving you more towards that gelatinous state. Yeah, well, and the, that's what's so dangerous about our secular public education is that they claim to be not doing that. Mm-hmm. They claim to be just depositing information. Yeah. All the while teaching our children to love something that God says isn't good. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. not truth, goodness, and beauty. Rather, it's conformity, conformity to the world. Yeah. It's conformity to groupthink. Mm-hmm. He, go, he, he, he uh, talks about kind of some of the roots of this thinking that Lewis was saying this 60 years ago. Yeah. He says hidden, he calls it, uh, he's, now he's going to call this basically liberty or democracy. And he's using that in the sense of that we're all kind of the same. Yeah. He says this, hidden in the heart of this striving for liberty, there was also a deep hatred of personal freedom. That invaluable man, Rousseau, first revealed it in his perfect democracy. You remember, only the state religion is permitted. Slavery is restored, and the individual is told that he is really willed, though he didn't know it, whatever the government told him to do. So... Behind all of this, it might have democracy and liberty, 
but reality, there's this governmental desire to be the new state religion. Mm-hmm. Mm. And he said this, I heard the other day that in that country, a man could not, without a permit, Mm. cut down his own tree with his own axe, make it into planks with his own saw, and use the planks to build a tool shed in his own garden. (laughs) He's seeing the government or the state creep in to all aspects of a man's life. Yeah. Right? And the state usually is controlled by a small group of mm-hmm. elites mm-hmm. at the top, right? So fascinated how he is, you know, years, this is years and years and years ago, you know, and this is still happening today and it's getting worse where then there's almost no freedom and it's applying by whatever the state and government is is telling us to do. Mm-hmm. And it, it, Wow, it's fascinating. Yeah, so on, on page 162, he, he, he starts naming this, political ideal that's being taught in schools that you could call it the, the bastardization of democracy or the bastardization of liberty. He calls it this. The feeling I mean is of course that which prompts a man to say, I'm as good as you. Mm-hmm. So he, he talks about what's, he goes, the political ideal that men should be treated equally is true. But then what the demons do is they make a stealthy transition in their minds from this political ideal to a factual belief that all men are equal. Mm-hmm. So so he's saying yeah. it's one thing to say all men and women should be treated equal. It's a far different thing to say and he says it's a lie yeah. to say that all men are equal. Mm-hmm. You break that down a little bit. <laughs> I'm looking at Rob. I'll do it, but I've already talked a bunch. So no, well, no. I'm just when I read this, the, the when I read this the first time, I was. I have to confess that I was like, yeah, isn't that right? Isn't that true that you know we're all we're all equal? You know, I mean that this that we should all you know that we are all equal. I mean, I was using those terms, uh-huh. and because uh, it sounds so much like you know the dignity of all humanity. So of yeah. course, uh, so yeah, no, I. Um, no, I can't break it down, so why don't okay. you go for it? <laughs> All right. First, he's, I'll just quote him. The first and most obvious advantage is this, is that you, this, uh, this induce him, thus, I'm sorry, thus induce him to enthrone at the center of his life a good, solid, resounding lie. Mm-hmm. I don't mean merely that his statement is false. In fact, that he is no more equal to everyone he meets in kindness honesty, and good sense oh, yeah, this is good. than in height or weight, weight measurement. measurement. I saw that. <laughs> so um, every man is equal. He, Lewis is saying that's not true in height. That's not true in weight. That's not true in intellect. That's not true in kindness. That's not true in honesty. Everybody in this room weighs something different. Mm-hmm. We all have different heights. We are not equal in height or equal in weight. Mm-hmm. Neither are we equal in kindness, mm-hmm. equal in boldness, equal in wisdom, equal in education, equal in money, equal in all these things. Right. So he's saying it's a lie. And then, but then, so we know there are some people more moral than others, right? Mm-hmm. Right? We, that's why we have prisons, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. But this is what he says. He goes, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a lie, but that's not, that's not the good, 
that's not where, what's really getting these people. Here's, here's what's getting people. He doesn't believe in himself. Yeah. The man who says it doesn't really believe in himself. No man who says, I'm as good as you, believes it. He would not say it if he did. The St. Bernard never says it to the toy dog, nor the scholar to the dunce, nor the employable to the bum, nor the pretty woman to the plain. So the plain woman would say, I'm just as good as you to the pretty woman. The pretty woman would never even feel compelled to say that to the plain. She knows she's prettier than her. The scholar would never say it to the dunce because the scholar knows he's more educated. But the dunce would say it to, I'm just as good as you. If you're saying it, you don't believe it. You know it's a lie. The claim to equality outside the strictly political field is made only by those who feel themselves to be in some way inferior. What it expresses is precisely the itching, smarting, writhing awareness of an inferiority which the patient refuses to accept. It's like so, a mind trick at least he's trying to play here because it's like he's playing with like he's like almost agreeing with the like a desire of uh of the world I guess in in the sense of uh, what other breakdown of this but then also he's like but I but I believe in the desires of God and it, it in the midst of that it's it's almost confusing. Okay. Well, it's not when in, not here cuz he's about to name it. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say here he goes, right? You're getting at the the, the envy? Yes. Yes. <laughs> he says, under the name of envy, envy. Yeah. it has been known to the humans for thousands of years. Yeah. Mm. So when the plain girl looks at the pretty girl and says, I'm just as good as you, she thinks that she's appealing to justice or she's appealing to equ- you know, equality of human beings. Mm. But in reality, she, sta- she doesn't believe it herself. That's mm. why she's saying it. And it's envy that's driving her to say it. Mm. And the poor man, it's envy to say it about the rich man. Mm. And the dunce, it's envy to say it about the educated man. Mm. And the whatever, the cruel man, it's envy to say it about the kind man. Mm. Mm. Now, and then, and so he's saying this is what public education is doing. It's flattening everybody. It's making everybody jello molds jello and it's causing the worst among us i'm going to say it like that to point up at quote unquote the best mm-hmm. among us and say i'm just as good as you mm-hmm. and it's and so therefore it is teaching that envy is a virtue mm-hmm. envy mm-hmm. is a virtue he says at the end there uh, he says it makes envy respectable and even laudable Mm. In other words, we ought to honor, we ought to honor this envy that people are having by the incantatory use of the word democratic. Yeah, yeah. and wow. of course, it, it, if you're envious and think you deserve something and th- think that somebody is just as good as you, you're actually not going to feel your inferiority and your need for Christ mm-hmm. and, yeah. see, and seek after grace. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Mm. And then he says this. All is summed up in the prayer which a young female human is said to have uttered recently. Oh, God, make me a normal 20th century girl. Thanks to our labors, this will mean increasingly make me a minx, a moron, and a parasite. <laughs> wow. Whoa, Lewis. He's pulling yeah. punches, right? He's getting old. He's getting old, and he, he don't need to dance around it. He's done. A minx, a moron, and a parasite. Make me a normal 21st century dude. 
make me a moron, make me porn addicted, make me lazy, make me a TikTok moron, make me whatever, a video game obsessed person, make me a normal person. He's saying public education is trying to make people normal Mm -hmm. in the world sense. And yeah, as you, uh, he points out, I'm sorry. He point he points out too that uh, those who are beginning to achieve or have a desire for things that are true, good, and beautiful, there is almost a sense of um, guilt that you actually oh, it's yearn, absolutely. you know, long for something better. Yeah. You know. Well, he talks about what I want to fix your attention on is the vast overall movement towards the discrediting. And finally, the elimination of every kind of human excellence, Mm -hmm. moral, cultural, social, and intellectual. Mm -hmm. So anybody who is amazing at something is, is distinguishes Mm themselves that they are the bad guys. They should be pulled down to size because they make the, 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 the lesser feel more insignificant. He says, allow no preeminence among your subjects. Let no man live who is wiser or better or more famous or more handsomer than the mass. Cut them all down to a level. All slaves, all ciphers, all nobodies, all equals. Mm. (laughs) Wow. Now, what's amazing is that when you begin to think about, uh, you know, uh, world history and politics and such, uh, uh, this has happened in the context of communism. This has happened in the context of uh, socialism. Uh, socialism of, um, of dictators. Um, mm-hmm. I was just thinking about the very fact that um, in China, you know, if you you go back, well, even when he's writing this, uh, everybody was supposed to wear the same green clothes. Everybody was supposed to. Nobody was supposed to have any kind of job that was above mm-hmm. another person's job. But this was the dictator. This is Mao, who is you know dictating this for. For, for you know for his his people to their you know to their loss yeah. mm-hmm. and we would say oh that's awful this is terrible this is evil we got to get you know get rid of this but what we're describing what you've just described for us in terms of this kind of this democratic kind of an ideal of everybody's got to be equal it's doing the same thing it's, we're it's, choosing it ourselves yeah and Lewis could see basically you're you've divorced because we've div- we've divorced education from its ultimate goal, which is Christ, knowing Christ and him crucified, that he's holding everything together. This is, he knew, he could see this is where it's going to go. Mm. He says, <clears throat> it's this, I'm as good as you are. It begins to work itself into their educational system. He says this, the basic principle of the new education is to be that dunces and mm-hmm. idlers must not be made to feel inferior to intelligent and industrial pupils. Mm-hmm. No child left behind. It, so a teacher in our church just sent me a link last week where there, our uh, liberal government right now is trying to eliminate all TAG yeah. programs, mm-hmm. talented yeah. and gifted programs, yeah. huh. because it's they're racist, is what they say, and they make, they wow. make foreigners, they make outsiders, they make you know people that come over from Mexico and they can barely know our language. They, they don't get, they can't make it into those tag programs because yeah. they don't know English language. Yeah. And and people who aren't, they don't come, they come from broken homes. They they are less likely to get into these talented, gifted programs. So therefore, these are racist 
and these are undemocratic. I think they even started with changing the names um, to talented and gifted. It's it's not even called that anymore because one of my boys are in that, and it's it's not even called talented What's and gifted anymore. I, I can't remember off the top of my head that what they, what they changed. And idolers. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. Yeah. There it is. <laughs> he talks about oh, listen, listen, this. He goes through like. How, how, he's, he's prophetic here, and he goes through how this is what's going to happen. Um, it can be done on a various levels. At universities, examinations must be framed so that nearly all the students get good marks. Mm-hmm. Entrance examinations must be framed so that all or nearly all citizens can go to university, whether they have any power or wish to profit from higher education or not. Listen, right now, we just did a podcast on this. 60% of college of colleges are made up of women. Only 40% of men. Women are outperforming men two to one. So you know what's going, you know what's going on right now? They're letting men into college that should not be in college. They're they're not even filling out their uh, entrance exam correctly. They're not even filling it all out, but they're letting them in anyways, because they're so desperate to get men in the universities. He saw this happening. Wow. He says, At schools, the children who are too stupid or lazy to learn languages and mathematics and elementary science can be set to doing the things that children used to do in their spare time. Let them, for example, make mud pies and modeling. (laughs) So he's just saying they're going to school, but they're watching YouTube. They're not actually learning Mm. mathematics. They're not even, and and we know this, people are being, they're graduating and they can't read. They're Mm. graduating and they don't know simple mathematics. And he talks about children who are fit to proceed to a higher class, maybe artificially kept back. Because the others would get a trauma. Wow. Beelzebub, what a useful <laughs> word, mm. by being left behind. Yeah. Now, he didn't even know. He what year say, is this? 1962. It's not this year. <laughs> he didn't even know that we wouldn't be keeping score in soccer matches anymore. <sighs> because we'd be too worried about damaging children that somebody lost. And giving everybody trophies. Giving everybody trophies. Mm. He says this. And anyway, the teachers, or should I say nurses, will be far too busy reassuring the dunces and patting them on the back to waste any time on real teaching. Right now, the state of our public education in many cities, teachers are nurses, they're social workers, they're having to feed students, they're having to clothe students, they're having to take students to the, the, the nurse and the hospital, they are basically caretakers of the students and they don't have time to actually teach anymore. Mm-hmm. Wow. And he says this, of course, this will, none of this will happen unless all education became state education. Mm. Wow. But it will. <laughs> yeah. That is part of the same movement. Wow. And it has. So what does it look like uh, as, a, as a church to help change and help um, redeem some of the desires that have um, been put upon, like, you know, education we're talking about. Like, what does it look like to, to help change those de- de- uh, desires and then also, like, um, renew some of those things? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, at first, obviously, it begins with the house of the Lord. Yeah. Judgment begins at the house of the Lord. So you got to be preaching the gospel. you got to be teaching people that it's not the state's responsibility to educate your children. It's the that belongs to the sphere of the family. Mm-hmm. It's the family's responsibility to educate our children. And so we have to, as parents, we have to take ownership of that. We have to see it in scripture, that it's been commanded by us, in, by Moses, and that 
commandment was not repealed by Christ, just like the Ten Commandments were not repealed by Christ. That's not that's part of the moral law. That's not part of the ceremonial law that's been mm-hmm. fulfilled under Christ. Parents, we're still called to raise our kids up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. And so we have to supply our kids with an education that forms them into lovers of God, lovers of good, lovers of truth, lovers of beauty, mm-hmm. first and foremost. So the church has got to teach that. That's the church's primary job, right? But then as the church spreads out or the church militant, the church that goes out. So moms and dads goes out into the city. That, that means we need to be, I mean, we've talked about this before. We need to be starting Christian schools or reforming Christian schools or, um, you know, and then homeschooling there's, there's some, uh, and, and, and if a person would be called to work towards this in public education, teachers, administrators, things like that, but we have to see that the public education system is totally set against us by design. Mm. That this is what they want to produce. Like, and so it's going to be really hard to resist that, mm. right? It's going to be really hard to resist that. And that's why Lewis, I mean, I think we could all say he was dead on, wasn't he? Yeah, sure. He, he was dead on. Okay. He could see it 62 years ago. It was an. It was inevitable. It was inevitable without a revival, without yeah. a reformation, because this is what secular. This is what happens when you divorce things from God. So, we all know we're all worshipers. Okay, education is meant to help form us, right, as worshipers. If you remove God from it, we're still worshipers. Mm-hmm. Christ is over all everything. And that means it's either Christ or an idol. If you remove Christ from education, then an idol will take its place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The idol could be the state. The idol could be democracy. The idol could be, could be collective man. I'm just as good as you are. But some ultimate value is going to take the place of God because we are worshipful creatures. And everything, you got to serve somebody, right? Mm-hmm. It's either the Lord or the devil. And this is what most Christians have failed to, to see. We believed the lie of modernity. We believed the lie of the enlightenment that you could put God in a little corner and do science and just do and just observe the natural world and we could all get along. Well, it worked for a few decades, maybe maybe longer, more than a few decades, because there was so much residual Christianity still left in the culture. Yeah a residual sense of morality, a religional sense of what's right and what's wrong. And, and most people still believed in God. Well, but people right when it was happening, people said, no, this is, this is going to end badly. This is where this is going. You know, uh, Nietzsche, Nietzsche knew it. Nietzsche knew where, where, where things were going and that's where things have gone. So education but is that not frustrating for some people as like everybody sees this is where it's going, but no one's doing anything? <laughs> so, that, you know, like if, if the desires of the hearts are, you know, in the sk- school systems, like you would think we want to change that and give some um, tangible uh, things for our people to like start now. You know, we all wish we would have done it 20 years ago, but what is it like to do that now? Yeah best time to plant a tree is right now. It was either 20 years ago or right now. Right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I think it, 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 we're, 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 we're lulled into 
and again, that's why I go all the way back to what's the definition of, of, of education. We're lulled into thinking that, hey, what I see is happening is, is fine because my child is you know, learning how to read, my child maybe is learning how to write, or maybe learning how to, you know, do math and those kind of things, going to get them into a good college, going to get a good job, and we we see that as the end, and that's not the end of man. The end of man is the glory of God, and yeah. the end of man is to love him, yeah. and our education is teaching a certain type of love. And so in this case, the way I'm even describing it is when you live, when, when, you, when you work with a system that says uh, there is no God and it's materialistic, you start with a materialistic beginning and you end with a, well, what's the end of a materialistic kind of thinking? Well, it's to make money, it's to have experiences, is to have a good job, it's to retire, those kind of things. In one sense, the school systems many times will accomplish that task or that end. And so we think, oh, it's, it's okay, you know, the, the best school systems are doing that. They're, they're accomplishing that end. Their, their students are getting into good schools or, or whatever. But in the end, what they've really taught them is they've taught them what to love. And they've taught them to love self. They've taught them to love, you know, material things, you know, pleasures, th- those things. Um, and and, and yeah. ultimately, the state. Yeah. And it's, it's no coincidence that the majority of this younger generation is pro-socialism mm-hmm. and they're okay with giving their life over to state control. Mm-hmm. They don't even realize it. They want universal basic income. They want all of this, all of these benefits from, from the state and they're willing to give up more and more of their freedom mm-hmm. for it because they've been raised in this system that's propagating that, mm-hmm. that's, that's building up that. And I just came to my mind too that mm-hmm. that idea of I'm just as good as you isn't that the very um, slogan that the LGBTQ mm. plus agenda sure. has used yeah. to shoehorn their ideology into the public schools? Yeah. I'm just as good as you. And so now in the library, fifth graders are having pornographic books, boys and girls doing sex acts on, on same sex, Teaching that this is okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is what's this. I'm just as good as you. Who are you to say that my sexuality is wrong, is different than, than yours, right? It's fascinating to me that Lewis saw this 62 years ago. Because we all, I mean, can you imagine going back 62 years ago? We would probably think that we, it was Leave It to Beaver. Yeah. We, if you're looking oh, yeah. at the American s- school system, it would be like leave it to Beaver. Yeah. He, I mean, if if he saw it today, if he saw what is experiencing today, furries walking down the hall, people <laughs> that th- identify as animals, mm. he, what would he think? I mean, literally. Yeah. I, I hate to say this, but I mean, I think he he would shake his hand head. That's for sure. And I don't, I don't. It's that proverbial frog in the water kettle. If you slowly turn that heat up in the water kettle, that frog will sit there and boil to death. Mm. But if you throw a, a frog into the boiling water, he'll jump out immediately because yeah. he feels it, how hot it is. Um, I feel like the public school system is that pot in the, you know, the, the pot and the slow roast that yeah. when, people have been saying it for 20 years, but when, when is it the line? When, when is it too much? Mm-hmm. Now, for, I'm thankful that for many Christians... And even non-Christians, actually, who just see the 
the, the writing on the wall as far as liberty and um, I think it was the West Virginia Democratic candidate for governor just lost to a Republican for the, I think it's West Virginia, I can't remember, uh, the first time in like 20 years because the Democrat came out and said parents have no should have no right and no choice over their public school education, what's being taught there. These parents that are complaining about CRT and all this kind of stuff, they, they should have no choice. And uh, Democrats have won there for over 20 years, mm. and they booted him. And mm. first time, they elected a Republican last week for the first time in like 20-something years. Wow. Because parents are saying, even, you know, they're not, not even necessarily Christians. Like, no, we want a choice in what is being, what, what is being taught to our children. Yeah. And so this last year and a half, there are a lot of people, whether it's the face, face mask mandates or mandatory vaccines or CRT, it seems like many people are, the writing's on the wall, they're opening their eyes finally, the, they've crossed that point where they're like, okay, yeah. something's got to change. Yeah. Yeah. Something's got to change. So this sounds kind of depressing, but, <laughs> but like what's, what's the hope and the, the good news um, from this? Well, I, I think it goes back to a previous podcast, I don't remember which one it was, but that uh, somewhat, I think we asked that question even back then, and that is that even as you described, that there are some who are not Christians or even recognizing that this is not sustainable, that this is not bringing life that we thought it was going to yeah. bring life. So so much of when we enter into sin, we foolishly think that somehow it's going to give us life mm. and it's going to give us, you know, uh, joy. And what we end is we as we run down, you know, as the enemy kind of, you know, tricks us into this, tricksies as you were using earlier, uh, he does that, we just, we run down that path and we discover this is, this is actually taking life from me. This is stealing from me. Mm -hmm. This is killing me. This is yeah. destroying me. You know, so those, those and, and that's, you know, I, I think the hope is, is that we stay true to the gospel and we have an answer for people who are desperately looking for yeah. something better than what they thought they were going to get when they yeah. started down this, this path. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I here's my yeah. thing. I I think every Christian should pull their kid out of public school and and we should create you know a Christian school. That's what I, that's what I think should happen. And this is what ha would happen. You would create a vacuum, right? Immediately uh, this the system that's been propped up by Christians for a long time that we know is ungodly and doesn't create doesn't teach our values would be put in turmoil. And if we had the Christian infrastructure and the Christian organizations and the Christian schools, we could not then absorb some of those students mm -hmm. and those parents who maybe they're not even Christians. Yeah. They would have a, they would be sending our kids and we would be Christianizing their kids. Yeah. We would be teaching their kids from a Christian, from a Christian worldview, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, yeah. but we've been propping up a broken system that just causes the state to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And we've just kind of been complaining and going along with it, you know, yeah. holding our noses, mm. just kind of holding our noses and drinking the, the lukewarm water mm. instead of saying, let's build a better one. So you're saying we got to take big risks as Christians to start a school. Let's go. <laughs> I'm saying we <laughs> should go. walk in the steps of our forefathers. Did you know John Calvin was the first one to create the public school system that was mm. free of charge? Mm. Within two years, he had 1,200 lower uh, grammar school and he had 300 in the huh. upper school. No, I didn't know that. Mm. Okay. He was the first one. Yeah. Yes, in Geneva. That's where the public school system came from and it was Christ-centered. It was mm. built on a Christian worldview, you know? And um, we know that we created Harvard. We created Oxford. We created Yale. We created Princeton. We took big risks for the sake of the gospel and to train men and women to read and to 
love God with all their mind. Yeah. And now we, we've just been, we just let the state determine our education. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think we should um, see the writing on the wall with Lewis and we should make some big changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So let's be praying towards that and uh, see what the Lord would have, have us do. <laughs> all right. All right, guys. Uh, hopefully this was uh, entertaining, educational. We did post this on Realm if you want to read it, the whole chapter yourself. Um, Lewis, Lewis was prescient. He knew exactly what he was seeing and he was right. So uh, hopefully this was beneficial to you. We love you. God bless you. Talk to you soon. Um, that was a Tolkien word there, Trixie. <laughs>